Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we are going to speak with one of the winners of the Nobel Prize for Medicine. You may have heard our interview before, and I'm bringing her back. We're also going to find out about a cornhole tournament to benefit the American Cancer Society. Talking about COVID, COVID vaccines, and why they're important. But starting us off, you don't have to travel to Greece to enjoy a captivating Greek musical journey. One's happening at the Rossetti Foundation for the Arts and Culture. We'll meet Julie Ziavaris in a moment, but first, it's Ken Hussey and Dr. Joe Olivieri to tell us what's happening. Ken, welcome. We also have Dr. Joe along, but I'm going to start with you because I would like you to tell everybody how you are going to bring a Greek odyssey to the Scranton area. Well, we're very excited. So at the Rosetti Estate in Scranton, we're going to have featuring Julie Ziavras and her band Spiral Kadamis and Costa Saros. They're going to perform live for us. At the same time, we're also having a art exhibit. And this is with Danielle Liedemann on October 15th. They will both be here starting with the art exhibit. And then at six o'clock, we're going to have Julie is going to sing for us. The Greek Odyssey was really uh, an idea that uh, Joe Olivieri came up with. It was right in line with our determination to bring, you know, culture and diversity to the Scranton area. Uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, we'll be selling tickets for the concert. The art exhibit is free, which starts at three o'clock. Dr. Joe, how did you come up with such a fascinating idea like this? Well, I love Greek music. One of the ideas of the Rosetti Estate is also to give local talent a chance to perform. So I decided to let's start with, uh, with some Greek music and see what happens. When you talk about joining Julie and the group that she's going to have with, are you familiar with them? Is that how they got involved? I'm familiar with Julie. She sang here a few times. She's a great opera singer. I said, you know, it's a good idea. Let's get Julie and let's see if we can get a Greek night. It's it's a dream that I've had. Well, we've had, all of us have had, have the Rosetti Estate to uh, bring healing to people through music. It's one of our pillars. So this starts out with that in mind. Also, one of the owners of the house here, she was uh, Mark Rosetti's mother. And she was Greek. When I was here, we played Greek music all the time. When she got older, she got used to get a little upset with her with herself because she was forgetting things. And uh, it was very easy to calm her down 
with playing music and she loved it. It's a really a big uplifting uh, experience to hear good music when it's done well and to enjoy it. So that's what brings us to this point right now. I'm going to ask Ken about art. You mentioned the fact that the art exhibit is free. Yes. So the art exhibit is free. Our artist, Danielle Lettman, she's had work displayed all over the world. Uh, She's from Polish descent. Her event is going to be called Behold My Art, a Tapestry of Emotions. And uh, on the first floor of the Rosetta Estate, we have some very large art that people are going to really enjoy uh, her style. It's amazing. It's really, you know, having the art in the backdrop being the Rosetti estate and it's just a wonderful thing. But that is free. It starts at three o'clock and it will lead into the uh, concert and her art would be on display for from October the 15th to November the 15th. I would certainly be remiss if I did not include the food. Oh, Ken, tell me more. We work with the gourmet guys for years now, and they never disappoint. They always uplift our events with a culinary experience that is just great. So we love to welcome them again. They're very excited to come. When they put out a display for us, it's always something very elegant and tantalizing. You know, and all of this, you know, the art exhibit, Although it's free, the concert, the buffet, you know, the drink, the tickets start at $25. You you can just basically have a wonderful time just with that. But we also have, you know, a little high grade tickets for those that want a more personal uh, attention. So, you know, we'll bring the food to them. They don't have to get up. They'll be in front row. And also, if they wanted to stay over for that night, we also have double occupancy to stay at the Rosetti Estate. So that's even another chance to get really immersed into our art. And then we'll have a concert or breakfast after that. So there's a lot going on that can go along. But, you know, we're, we're very excited about all of the the components of the event. You can stay overnight <laughs> at the Rosetti Estate? You know, the estate also serves as the Airbnb. So for two people for one room, it's just one cost and it includes all of the events. And then that gives you a, uh, a concert or breakfast on the next day and you have all this wonderful museum-like effect around you, but with all the modern comfort. And how did the Rosetti Estate come to be? When I bought the place back in October 2019, I really didn't know anything about the Rosetti Estate state. It's just that it sort of found me, I guess. And then I learned a lot about Father Mark and then people who had passed by the house and introduced me to, you know, his giving, his desire to to do good things in the, in the neighborhood. So it sort of touched me and I saw this house really should be a public place. Then somehow I got a, a letter from Joe who introduced himself to me and then we became friends ever since. And he just helped to just, you know, build on the what we're doing here and continuing the dream and the legacy of Father Mark. Everything that has happened seems almost like organic and wonderful and we just enjoy what we do and just introducing people to art if they don't know art. It's been a thrill. It certainly sounds like it has been a wonderful Mm -hmm. road and it just continues to to grow and get bigger. Let's have Dr. Joe. Do you speak Greek? No. Uh, I can say prayers in Greek. I was going to have you give the invitation to come on down in Greek. I can't do that, but what I can do is when they come here, there's a, a sort of like a saying that they have in prayer. So, uh, that's as sort of welcome. God is with us. 
to the ages of ages. And then from then on, it took, flows from there. I invite everyone to come to the Rossetti Estate. We're located at 1005 Vine Street in Scranton. Our website at rosettiarts.org. What we're having on October the 15th is a wonderful concert, art exhibit, and a wonderful Greek buffet. And we're looking forward to having a great time. It starts at 3 p.m. is the art exhibit, and then 6 p.m. would be the concert. Please come. We're going to have a lot of fun. Ken and Dr. Joe, thank you for all the information. Now, acclaimed Greek-American soprano Julie Ziavaris joins us with the music. I'm a soprano. And the event is going to be called A Greek Odyssey, and my part of it is A Greek Musical Odyssey. I will be singing a program of Greek songs. that represent a variety of Greek musical styles. And I'll be accompanied by a pianist and a bouzouki player. And bouzouki is a traditional Greek instrument. It's a stringed instrument that kind of looks like an elongated mandolin. And we will be performing full programs. And I know for sure that at least one of the songs, Joe will be dancing. What is it about Greek music, Greek food, Greek everything that people would be looking forward to when they come to this event? Well, that's a very good question. Um, Greek music is very unique. I come from the classical world. I have been singing for years with mostly opera in Scranton. So many people may know me from that venue. I had been doing Greek music professionally, and I had a career in Greece as well. And one of the things that I I have found that appeals to non-Greek-speaking audiences is that Greek music is very, very melodic. And it's unusual because it uses folk modes, which is musical modes, which are kind of Eastern-sounding. And you'll hear both Eastern and Western. It's like a merge of the two worlds, as well as unusual rhythms. You'll hear 4-4, which is a regular, you know, Western 3-4 and 4-4 and 2-4. But in Greek music, in addition to that, there are rhythmic patterns that are unique to the Greek culture. And you'll hear a lot of 7-8 and 9-8 and combinations of all sorts of different polyrhythms. So it's, it's, it's fun. Now, the way I'm, I present a Greek musical odyssey is tailored for non-Greek speaking people. Uh, I explain what the songs are about, which kind 
kind of brings you into the world of Greece and their history and their um, their folk traditions, and also that what historical events happened within Greece, and it's all reflected in the music. <laughs> And I explain to the audience so that they'll know what they're hearing and they'll be able to feel why the music is talking about these events. And the lyrics are very, very special. And they'll be able to feel the lyrics, even if they don't understand the words. Given a synopsis, you'll be able to get into the mood of the songs. I've done this particular kind of performance all over the East Coast. And I find that non-Greek audiences especially, and the Greek audiences kind of know uh, what to expect, and they'll recognize many of the songs. This is, for the most part, listening music. What I've found is non-Greek audiences are really not that exposed to this kind of Greek sound, which begs you to listen to it. It's mostly like listening music, although sometimes people do dance because there are dance rhythms involved, but it's mostly contemplative and fun, rhythmic and exciting. And people relate to it of, of all different cultures, even if they don't understand the word. So there is a lot of history that goes into Greek music and uh, traditional folk tunes as well. And that's very true. The selections that I choose is kind of like a cross-section of the different kinds of Greek sound. A lot of my, my songs are written to poetry. And so this is, it's almost like a combination of art song and, and popular music. It takes folk rhythms and modes and melds them into songs that are both popular and almost classical sounding in some cases. And often they tell stories of the Greek situation, of the Greek world, of, of Greek life. It's something that non-Greek audiences don't hear very much. And even Greek-American audiences in the festivals and, and weddings, there's a different kind of music that's played. And that's fun and it has its place. And I'll, I'll do some songs that are representative of that sound as well. But it's a cross-section that gives variety to the program. And you'll hear contemplative songs, and you'll hear also songs that are dance songs, and you'll hear the blues of Greece, because there's a, a whole uh, genre of song that is called repetica, which is the blues of Greece, very similar to American blues. And they have their own sound. This sounds like it is going to be an evening that many people may not have ever experienced in the past. And between the music, between the food, between the dancing and everything else that's going to go with it, it sounds like it's going to be a very unique experience. Well, the Rossetti House has, has set up a really wonderful evening. I'm very excited about it. I mean, I've done this concert in many settings before, but the reason this is so unique is because the Rossetti House itself is so unique. And one of the things that, as you mentioned, that they're going to be doing is that, first of all, the Rossetti House is, is a mansion, and it's set up so that it's a living room 
comfortable environment in which you can listen to music, which is really, really fun. They have catered this event so that the attendees can sample Greek music as well. It's just going to be so much fun. There are different seatings within the living room of the Rossetti house. And people can choose whether they want a VIP seat or they want standing room or they want to be part of the buffet. Now, the, the catered event part of it involves dinner, meze, which is a Greek word for like appetizers. And Greek appetizers are just fantastic. And it also has cocktails. So it's a, a whole evening of just immersing yourself into the Greek tradition. It's on October 15th at 6 p.m. We start at 6. It has cocktails and um, mezze, which is appetizers, and then a buffet dinner in addition to the concert. There will also be an art exhibition. And let me give you the website because people can get information on the website. They can buy tickets in advance, which I advise because you want to be able to have a really good seat and be comfortable. Uh, I'll be talking to the audience and, and telling them about the music that they're going to hear in this individual song. And the website is www.rosettiarts.org. Two S's and two T's. One word, rosettiarts.org. It's going to be a lot of fun for me. I know I've done this program before and we always have such fun. And people clap along and sometimes they dance. I always get the feedback that I could feel the meaning of the song in the way it was performed. And that's very rewarding to me. Thanks again, Julie Ziavaris, rosettiarts.org, the place to find out more. Coming up next, a cornhole tournament Odyssey's involved with and COVID-19 vaccines on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Here at Odyssey, we have four values, the four C's, community, curiosity, creativity, and courage. And when it comes to community, when one of our stations gets involved in something, we all do. Our sister station, 98.5 KRZ, will be hosting a cornhole tournament to benefit the American Cancer Society. Spearheading the entire event, Lissa with 98.5 KRZ. She's here to tell us how you can get in on the fun and if you would like to help out by donating your services or gifts. Lissa tells us how. Lissa, there's something special that's coming up and from what I gather, you're the one who's spearheading all this, and what is it? Well, it's called Cornhole for Cancer, and thank you so much for shining a light on it. I love you so much. It's going to be November 4th in Dunmore at the Holiday Inn. It's going from noon to 4, and it's a big cornhole tournament to benefit the local chapter of the American Cancer Society, because unfortunately, a ton of people in my life have been affected by cancer, and I just wanted to do something good and involve the community, so I hope everybody comes out and have fun. What exactly is going to happen that day? And how can people, of course, other than by attending, how can they help out? It is going to be obviously a cornhole tournament where you can register ahead of time at 985krz.com. But we're also going to have a ton of raffles, a 50-50 drawing, tons of live music. I'm playing as a musician. My buddy Brian Banks is playing, Jay Luke, Kate Harity, who is an incredible musician, and she hardly ever plays live. So this is very exciting. So we're all going to do like our sets within there. And it's free. It's all ages. So if people could just come and hang out, 
have some food, buy a few raffle tickets, do a 50-50, listen to some live music. And the cornhole people are nice enough to do some cornhole in one games and some one-off games that if you're not in the tournament, you can still play and have fun. Explain the tournament. So it's going to be like an elimination tournament and Valhalla Cornhole Company, they're taking care of it for us. So they're running the entire tournament and they do a ton of tournaments at the Holiday Inn in Dunmer where we're having this. So if you're a beginner, they're going to have a special thing for you. If you're advanced, you already know what they do because you've done a few things with Valhalla probably. But there's a cash prize of $1,000 for the two-person team that wins it. All the teams are going to be two people, and it's 50 bucks per team, so $25 a person. So they, they set the price, actually, because I know nothing about cornhole going in. But the Valhalla people run a slew of tournaments all around Scranton. So they're going to run it for us. And all of that registration info is up right now on Facebook. If you just search Cornhole for Cancer or at 985krz.com on our website right on the front page. And I do encourage people to register early because it's a limited number of places. When it comes to raffles, it comes to music, are you still looking for anybody in those areas to reach out to you and say, hey, Lisa, I'd like to help? Oh, God bless you for asking that. Yes, 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 please do. We have quite a few nice raffles already, but we really do need some more. And if you could open your heart to give, we do already have Trans-Siberian Orchestra tickets. We have uh, my friends at Electric City Selfie gave us some selfie passes to the selfie studio at Viewmont Mall, which is really fun. We have quite a few salons and restaurants that have donated some wineries, but we really could use a lot of extra raffles. I want to pack this thing. And Northeast PA, we love our raffles. So, you know, you got to bring it. Let's go back to the cornhole for just a little bit now. You mentioned the fact that they're two-person teams and it's uh, $25 per person. So... How fast do you want people to get in touch with you? Because, again, you have a lot of people out there who say, oh, Lissy, you know, I can't I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Never mind that far in advance. So is there a cutoff before people can register? That's a fair question. There is no cutoff because the Valhalla people are amazing. And they say that even if people show up that day, they're going to try to squeeze them in. But I'm just such a planner. And I think they would like to know about how many people to expect. So if you definitely want to be in the tournament, go to 985krz.com right now and just tell your bestie, we're doing this together. Register. If you don't do it, you, you don't do it and they can refund your money. But get in. And the last but not least, since you are the one who is spearheading this, I'm going to just turn the microphone over to you. And you are going to issue the come one, come all, big, here I am, Lissa, love you all for coming anyway, big hug, and the invitation. Anytime you're ready. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, everybody, please come to the Cornhole for Cancer, November 4th at the Holiday Inn Dunmore. KRZ is going to be there. We're going to be broadcasting live. We're going to have tons of live music. I'm playing, Jay Lucas playing, Brian Banks, Kate Herity, the Cornhole Tournament, obviously. The Cornhole people will have a lot of games for you, even if you're not in the tournament. We have a bunch of raffles, 50-50, and the best thing, it's free to attend, and it's all ages. So please come out and just hang with us, and I would love to meet you all and get a photo with you, and just thank you for donating to this wonderful American Cancer Society local chapter. Thank you in advance. Thanks again to Lissa, 98.5 KRZ. You can go to their Facebook page and find out more about the event. You can also find out more by going to the Facebook page of the Valhalla Cornhole Club. And that's V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A. And they also have a website, 
cornholefinder.com slash clubs slash Valhalla Cornhole Club. Unfortunately, we're not done with COVID yet. Dr. Regina Spratling is a registered nurse and president of the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners. She joins me now and tells us why getting the latest COVID-19 vaccine, especially for kids, is important. Regina, why is keeping up with the latest COVID-19 vaccine so important? Parents are always concerned about their children. What can you tell us about the vaccine and kids? There's also been a lot of discussion about the cost of getting the vaccine. Regina, can you explain? Are there recommendations for scheduling COVID-19 vaccines? Since information changes quickly, Regina, where can people go to get the latest?
Thanks again to Regina Spratling, president of the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners, their website, NAPNAP. She also gave us covidvaccineproject.org and those allimportant.gov websites as well with more information on COVID-19. And while we're on the subject of COVID-19, earlier this week, two colleagues were awarded the Nobel Prize for Medicine for their development of the vaccine. We're going to be talking with the woman involved next on Special Edition. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. If you happen to listen to Special Edition two weeks ago, you may have heard my interview with Dr. Catalin Carrico. And who would have thought that two weeks later, I'd be here saying she received the Nobel Prize for Medicine this past week, along with her colleague, Drew Weissman. Her story is inspirational and worth listening to again. Dr. Carrico, thank you so much for joining me. There are so many things that you are are involved in. So first, if you wouldn't mind, give our listeners your background, and that will lead us into what we're going to be talking about today. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. I am a Hungarian. I was born in Hungary. It's a small town, and I even grew up in a smaller town. Just 10,000 people lived there. My parents had only elementary school education because of the war. They couldn't study, but they encouraged me and my sister, who is three years older, to study. And um, I did well in school. By elementary school, actually, I was biology competition, third best in the country. I studied in high school, in this local high school, and ended up in university. I graduated as a biologist. I had a daughter, and with my two-year-old daughter and with my husband, we emigrated to the United States in 1985. I worked here at Temple University for three years. I worked in Bethesda one year and 24 years at the University of Pennsylvania up until 10 years ago when um, I went to Germany by myself, leaving my family behind, and worked nine years at BioNTech, the company who, together with Pfizer, developed the COVID vaccine, mRNA vaccine. That covered a lot of ground. And now (laughs) one of the reasons, well, you tell our listeners one of the reasons we're talking about today, because you are one of the faces of American innovation. Yes. When I worked at the University of Pennsylvania, we worked together with uh, Drew Weissman, my colleague there, who's still 
working there, and we developed how to make messenger RNA feasible to uh, using human studies. And we filed a patent. This patent was used by Moderna as well as uh, BioNTech Pfizer to develop this vaccine and many other different products. And it was important to filing a patent because the companies can license it and then they can protect their development. So that's, uh, I was selected, uh, one of the faces of American innovation. And explain RNA because we, of course, we hear COVID and we all know what that means. And we hear some of the different companies that have been providing vaccines. Mm -hmm. We know who they are. But what is RNA because it's involved in all of it? Actually, messenger RNA, which uh, uh, contains these vaccines and many other products now, 250 different product in clinical development right now. So the messenger RNA, we did not invent it. It's nature invented. In every our cell, there are millions of messenger RNA carrying information for our cells to provide information what kind of protein we have to produce. And that's these proteins makes us alive. So we just borrowed the idea from the nature and this messenger RNA is just a blueprint for what kind of protein has to be made. And in actually the virus itself also has the messenger RNA, which codes for many different proteins, but we selected only coding sequence for a piece of this viral RNA, which codes for those critical protein that we can develop immune response, which will be neutralized the virus. And that's what you want for all kind of vaccine. You have to neutralize, you have to eliminate, you have to target and eliminate that virus. And that's what this mRNA in that vaccine does. It's the Beidol Coalition who are behind the uh, award and there are others that are going to be receiving the award. And the interesting thing is, if you go to their website, which is BaydolCoalition.org, they have the listing. And your story is so fascinating to think that this may never have even happened. Yes. So 1980, Baydol senators from both aisle because Bay was a Democrat and Bob Dole was a Republican and they came together and decided that when there is an invention made on the taxpayers' money, then this should be assigned to the universities because prior to that, it was just sitting on the shelf in the government and nobody was using. But if you make interested the university to license it out and then you get uh, new companies, innovation will be useful for the public. And that's uh, why it was so critical, this failed all act. And, uh, you know, with uh, my colleague, Drew Weissman, we talk that, oh, we don't want to license, we want everybody to use. But we did understood that, we didn't understand that if without license, nobody will invest and nobody will spend any time, any money because they cannot protect the investment so that because they have to spend millions to, to test out, to do development, product development. And if anybody can use by the end, they spend like millions and everybody can jump in and then, you know, they cannot collect back anything. So 
we did understand this, and then so that's what um, we filed a patent. And this is why it is important because all of this innovation now is helping the public. Many, many other companies are spent out from from universities and uh, and using the federally funded research to develop the product, which will help people who are sick. And it's not just COVID that you're talking about here, because now that it has gotten that far, it may even be able to go into other disease areas? Indeed, already uh, advanced level of clinical trial going on for other viral diseases like uh, HIV, or not just viruses actually, for bacteria, tuberculosis, and uh, parasites like malaria. So vaccine development based on messenger RNA is already in many different fields, not just infectious disease vaccine, but also for therapeutic like heart disease and inherited uh, genetic diseases treatment is also in the process. And again, I go back to the mini biography that they have (laughs) on this Faces of Innovation page. And you mentioned the meeting with Drew Weissman And who would have ever thought that that darn photocopier, which sometimes we always have problems with, actually kind of worked in your favor this time, big time. Indeed, it was 1997. And uh, at that time, we could not uh, get the publication, which we had to read a lot, uh, scientific publication. And then uh, you had to get the journal, you copy out and, you know, you go home and read those uh, copied pages. And what happened, I was waiting while Drew, uh, the new guy from uh, coming from actually Fauci's lab in 1997, and he wanted to develop HIV vaccine. I was working in neurosurgery. I want to develop a therapeutic uh, mRNA for treating uh, uh, stroke patients. And then I, uh, you know, while waiting that he was copying and I want to copy also, I, you know, I just brag about what I am doing because he was the new guy. I have never seen him, especially using that machine there. <laughs> and so I introduced myself and he was saying that uh, HIV vaccine he wants to develop. And then we started to collaborate. So from 1997, we worked together and, and uh, we together discovered that this uh, RNA I am making is so inflammatory. Uh, I I was not aware of that. And uh, so together we tried to understand why. And when we understood why, that we tried to see that whether we can make it non-inflammatory. And that's what uh, our invention all about. It's non-inflammatory messenger RNA. How things happen (laughs) and you would never, you would never think. And when people hear such things and they hear about how these different advancements come about, it's not overnight. The mini bio on that page is fascinating as you, and I wish we had time to just read the whole thing. But when you started looking into this, about how long did it take from there to fruition? So 97, when we started to do the experiments and in 2005, when we filed the patent, so it was already eight years. And then after 2005, you know, the, uh, development of the vaccine happened in 2020, so it is a decade. We worked on it, and other scientists also worked on it. A lot of people, they are not aware of that messenger RNA vaccine for other infectious disease, for example, for Zika virus, for influenza, 
for rabies. They already were introduced prior to 2020. They tested, tested on human trial. Just the people were not aware of because it was like 200 people were tested on these uh, new vaccines and not 200 million. But it was prior to 2020, these were already in human trials. But people thought that, oh, it was just overnight. I mean, I can tell you how many overnight I was up and reading and writing grants and working on the results and try to come up with a different kind of um, a solution for technical solution. And all of these companies, I mean, CureVac uh, was established 2000, so 20 years before the COVID happened, there were already mRNA companies in Germany, and BioNTech was also 2008, uh, Moderna 2010. So 10 years before, already companies working on developing messenger RNA for therapy. Amazing. And who knew back in 1997 that in 2020 that here it would become such a vital part of the world? Amazing. Yes, I might also say that, you know, because I want to develop in for therapeutic purposes. So the inflammatory nature was for vaccine at the beginning was not important, but because I wanted to develop the mRNA for therapy for, for stroke patients, they don't need more inflammation. So this was for me more urgent because I already at that point, I worked 10 years. From 1989, I worked on messenger RNA in the University of Pennsylvania this kind of therapy. And then I thought that all of this work is useless if I, if it is so inflammatory. So even other reason was why it is inflammatory and how we can make it non-inflammatory. But it turned out at the end that even for vaccine, we did need it. And during this whole time, you weren't just sitting in a lab someplace with a notebook, a computer in your hand. Well, maybe back in way back in the start of it, you might know you might have been putting everything down on pen and paper, but you actually were looking for jobs. I, I think people don't realize what happens behind the scenes. They just see the end result. But in your case, it is such a fascinating story. Yes, uh, so I was, um, up until I was 58 years old, I did all of the experiments with my own hands. I cultured the cells, generated the RNA, characterized it, and reading the papers during the night, writing up my notes, tried to apply for funding. We also, together with Drew Weissman, we established a company, and we get uh, funding from uh, small business grant funding. So we tried so many avenues, uh, you know, to raise money and uh, generate more data. So for a lot of uh, work, you know, perseverance and, and, you know, I am also a mother and I have a daughter, you know, who, who immigrated when she was two years old and she just could see how hard I worked and she ended up to be a two times Olympic champion. So in rowing for the United States. So, you know, I try to present to the mother scientist also that, yes, you show your example to your children and then, you know, they will work hard too. What? A daughter that's an Olympic champion? Wait a minute. That came out of left field. Yes, actually, my daughter was, you know, in our family, she was uh, the star. She got the gold medal in Beijing and one in London in Holland. So she got two gold medals and she was five times world champion for the United States. And um, 
It is also important that Title IX, again, a bail-doll act, was, they worked on it to make sure that the women will get also support at the universities for their sports. The same amount of money spent on women as men. And that's, again, you know, thanks to uh, these uh, senators' action, you know, it happened. So anyway, I was usually introduced uh, in different uh, big events that I am Susan mom. <laughs> but now that my daughter comes with me, some kind of ceremony, you know, for award ceremony, they introduce that she's Scotty's daughter. <laughs> well, absolutely brag, mom. You should brag and she should brag and everybody should be bragging because what you have done what you have shown your daughter she can do, I'm speechless. And I guess the other thing, too, is when you're working in a university setting, I'm assuming you must have students that are interested in pursuing maybe the same kind of career that you have ended up being so amazing at. They must say to you, it's not happening fast enough. I, I need this to happen faster. Why can't? And do they get it? After they sit down and talk with you, do they really understand that it's not overnight, snap your fingers, instant gratification? <laughs> yes, of course, uh, instant gratification, is, then, then is, you shouldn't be a scientist if you wait for that. And if you like spotlight, you should go uh, be an actress or influencer, but not a scientist. A scientist is working in quietly. And But anyway, I, I was not, never had a student because, uh, you know, I... I was not uh, funded well, and I just had enough salary. Just I could do all of the experiments myself. So, you know, it's um, unfortunate. I wish I could uh, educate students about uh, different things, but, um, well, I am doing right now. I am accepting awards and try to inspire the new generation to to tell them how exciting things to be a scientist, to to think about something you need solution and maybe your result will help somebody to be cured or or maybe not you don't live long enough but maybe the next generation will help you know to help somebody to to be uh, cured and and uh, being in the laboratory and doing all of this experiment is so exciting you you have full control of uh, what experiment to do, what this result means. You have to read more to understand what other people already have seen. And then you put uh, more information out there. And so it's just fascinating. I am so glad uh, that I I even get paid for it, you know, (laughs) just to do all of the research. It is so much fun. And I'm going to ask you right there. That's another thing that I'm sure a lot of the students might not realize because hearing our conversation today, I'm sure many are saying, oh, well, she must be. But that wasn't the case because you, throughout a lot of this, were not employed or employed where you were getting jobs, where you were making money. That was also not something that said, oh, You just come right in here, Dr. Carrico, and we are going to give you a gazillion dollars and look what you came up with. 
yes, of course, uh, the money is not there. But, uh, you know, if you are a scientist, you don't need a hobby because that's your hobby to read and do the research. So you don't need much. So I, you know, I started uh, 89 with like 40,000 salary and 20 years later I get 60,000. All of these technicians get more around me, but uh, that was not important. The science uh, was exciting and, and that's what counts. You know, the money will not make you happy. This was my pleasure to be able to get the to get your story out and be able to sit here and talk with you because you're just a gym who we didn't even know was out there. But every time we hear any of the COVID talk now, I'm going to thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. What would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, you know, actually, I was writing a book about uh, my life, mostly that how you can develop, uh, how you can persevere, how you can and be happy. You could be much happier if you would follow some of those uh, things that um, actually at age 16, I learned from, uh, from a book, which how to handle stress. And even the most uh, bizarre, you know, hurtful things, you can see something positive into it and build on it. And, you know, when I go out to accept an award, most of the time I think, I say, thank you, all of the people try to make my life miserable. Without them, I wouldn't be persevere. They made me work harder and be better. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I'm going to have that made into a T-shirt. <laughs> Thank you for making my life miserable. On the back, it's going to say, you made me better. <laughs> I wouldn't be, wouldn't be here without all of those people. It has been my pleasure to get the story out about you and congratulations on Please continue to do what you do. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to read more about Dr. Carrico's fascinating journey, she has a book coming out this week. I'm Paula Degnan. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.